0: In recognition of Suicide Prevention Month for the month of September, today's interview on mental health and well-being was pre-recorded. Hello, this is the Every Woman Show. This is Megan. I'm your host for today's interview. We have a special guest in our studio again. I'd like to welcome everybody in the community, and I'd also like to welcome Rhonda Weimer. She is a licensed social worker. She also has a private practice in Kansas City. She's a professor at Fort Hayes State University in Fort Hayes, Kansas. Welcome, Rhonda. I'm so glad you're here in the studio with us. We would love for you to tell us
1: about yourself and the classes that you teach, please. Sure, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Megan. Um, Yeah, I've been teaching since about 2002. I also taught at UMKC for a while, but now I'm at Fort Hayes. And uh, the classes that I, well, I just got done teaching a class on diagnosing using the DSM-5TR which is the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders it's on its 5th edition and TR stands for text revision and actually the text revision is new this year they're kind of constantly updating it which is a good thing i also teach social work practice classes which is basically how to do social work practice how to do psychotherapy in the community which uh part of what we teach is how to use different intervention approaches, like there's cognitive behavioral intervention approach, there's motivational interviewing, solution-focused, there's psychodynamic, which was started by uh, Sigmund Freud himself. So there's a lot of ways to help people, a lot of ways to approach things. And it's really important that when you're providing this psychotherapy service to someone, that you as the professional, as the practitioner, are fitting what they need. If someone is more of a thinker, you want to use more of a cognitive approach because that's going to really resonate with them. If they're not really a deep thinker and they kind of don't really want to be there, motivational interviewing is the way to go. And there's a a whole lot of other things that have been developed by professionals in the field. And lastly, I get to teach this fall. I get to teach a class on personal and professional development. One of the most difficult things about being a therapist is you get so used to helping other people you sort of forget when your tank is getting empty and that's real easy to do so it's, uh, it's a way to teach students how to really look at that how to kind of just make sure they're taking care of themselves a lot of times as a therapist you discover ooh, I need to go work on this too you know maybe you remember something that you hadn't really remembered maybe you really understand something in a little different manner than the way you had understood it, you know, originally. And it's time for you to get in the uh, therapy office and, and get some therapy yourself, that kind of stuff.
0: I never really thought about therapists needing therapists, if you will. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important. I, I almost feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, that a therapist needs to be even a little bit more in tune with themselves. In order to make sure that they are the best therapist for another individual. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's helpful. It's, I think it's more helpful. And some of the small ways that you might notice that as a person, and parents notice this all the time, you notice yourself being reactive, and maybe that sounds and feels a little negative, and you're like, ooh, what was that about? And it's really more you have some sort of unfinished business which is neither here nor there that happens all the time we all got something growing up that we didn't really want didn't appreciate maybe was out and out awful and we all didn't get something that we really wanted and really thought we needed at the time so no matter what you're going to have some pain um, and stuff like that and that's what i mean by unfinished business again is it huge is it horrible was it a, a terrible situation or was it someone doing the best they could and didn't handle it as well as they could have, you know, who knows.
0: Well, thank you for that information. Thank you for your introduction. Uh, thank you again for joining us today. I asked you to sit in because it has been conveyed to me that we have a percentage of young adults who are experiencing an increased levels of anxiety, loneliness, depression. I just finished up attending a concert at the end of August where the artists were conveying concerns about sleep irregularities, anxiety, relationship issues, and I was really surprised to learn about that because they are fairly well-known artists, and I wasn't expecting it, especially since the individuals were in their 20s. Mm Mm-hmm. It was very enlightening to me. It was also very enlightening when the promoter recommended that we do some sort of a campaign to help bring awareness to the mental issue, mm-hmm. the mental health issues of individuals, especially in that age group, in our community. Mm-hmm. So that is how all of this came to the forefront for me and why I invited you. I know you have done therapy for years, I Mm -hmm. know that you had been a professor for many years as well, Mm -hmm. and I knew that you would be a really good source for me to reach out to and get some information. And so again, thank you for coming today. Sure, yeah. That being said, would you please give me your opinion on the statement that I had said earlier about increased levels of anxiety, loneliness, Mm -hmm. depression, especially with our Mm 20-somethings, and if you have any sort of data that might support that. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I I I didn't really come prepared with data, I apologize about that, but certainly there's data out there through the wonderful source that's almost kind of contributing a little to this factor, known as the Internet. The 20-somethings have always had screens in front of them, uh, TVs, iPads, um, movie theaters, phones, that kind of stuff. And while it's a great, great tool, like any great tool, there's kind of some things that can be negative about it. I think it has probably contributed to more relationship difficulties where people are used to sort of interacting through some of those screens. And not really as used to interacting face-to-face without the screen in between. So I think that people can run into some problems there, which can lead to some of the relationship problems. I mean, there's always been relationship problems. There always will be. We could probably talk all week on that. Um, So anyway, you know, I think that those things are uh, maybe not on the rise, but but more noticed in young people. The other thing that I just have to mention here, Megan, and I want to applaud it, is we are willing to talk about it now as a population. So proud of Simone Biles and everyone else who's got, who's got some renown out there in the community. People have been willing to say, I'm not okay right now. And people who are willing to say, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. That happens. We all have our great days, and we all have our bad days. And if we're not okay, we need to be able to face that and admit it and do what we need to do. We don't need to hide it. I think maybe my generation, and certainly my parents' generation, I think they just said, Oh, well, you know, I don't have time for mental health. I don't have time to worry about that. I have to do this or that or the other thing. And that was just sort of the way things were looked at some cultures are still more heavily that way for example i hear from some of my students who are members of the hispanic community that that's still kind of a mantra in their community where it's like we just don't talk about that there's no time for mental health Um, if you're not mentally healthy so what go to work or whatever take care of your kids take care of health. you know etc and uh, as much as we possibly can leaving that ideology behind is going to be important. Mental health is just like health. If you had a broken leg, hopping around on it without treatment is not going to make it better, right? Mm -hmm. And in fact, it could make it much, much, much Mm -hmm. worse. Mental health is very similar. When we take that same example of a broken leg, while that would stink to have a broken leg, you get it taken care of, you do what the doctor says, pretty much a few weeks later, you're good to go. Um, and so mental health is the same thing. You do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Um, you do what the doctor said. You keep doing it. Maybe you do it for a long time. Again, with the broken leg, you might do physical therapy exercises for a long time afterwards. But, but you're pretty much going to be good to go. You can be back to a 100% baseline, where if you ignore it, it'd be just like ignoring the broken leg.
0: I had never looked at it that way. That's a very good analogy. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Would you say, and you kind of mentioned it already, because you'd mentioned your generation and your parents' generation, is there, is there anything else from the different generations that you see? Like, I'm thinking about, yes, I, d- I know it wasn't talked about when I was growing up, but I also didn't see the level of anxiety, mm-hmm. or dep- I'm sure depression was out there, but I definitely didn't see the anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that what you have experienced in the field too or have have individuals in our age group just done a better job of hiding anxiety or did Mm -hmm. we just not have as many things that caused anxiety
1: well I, i think anxiety is one of those things that it'd be a little silly to say that no one should have anxiety we all have anxiety to some degree you need that I've played sports, performance artists. You need that keyed-up feeling of being ready for the game, ready to play the concert. That's kind of a version of anxiety. I like to talk to my students about anxiety. It's like a cat. Most of us are familiar with a house cat. Many of us have house cats. Lovely little beings, right? Can they be a pain in the neck? Oh, yeah. But they typically bring us great joy and comfort. Now, a tiger and a cheetah and a lion, those are cats too, right? But would you have them in your house, right? Simply because all the little things that a small cat can do, a big cat can do on a much bigger level. Mm -hmm. So that's the way anxiety is. We all kind of probably have a house cat size anxiety in our lives. Sometimes it feels worse or more of a pain in the neck because we've got something big going on at work, Maybe there's a big family thing happening. You know, who knows? Maybe you're feeling like you need to make a change in your life, so you're feeling anxiety about that. So we have to live with that. We have to kind of manage that. And then sometimes we allow it to morph into, or we just have huge things happen, and it's more like a lion just walked in the door. So did our generation do better? I think that one of the things about anxiety is, Maybe we've been encouraged to be achievers, so we just sort of take for granted, well, I should be this level of anxious. And that's a great question that we talk about in the personal professional development course. How much anxiety is n- normal, uh, good? okay for you? Or when do you need to be able to dial that back? When do you need to be able to flip the switch off? Because lots of people will provide their own anxiety and then just make it worse. Women are a horrible example of that. Women are sort of taught, I clean house, I cook, I take care of the kids, I go to the grocery store, I go to the drugstore blah 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 then they're in a relationship and they act like their partner can't do that regardless of the gender of their partner so women have given themselves those messages and men have given themselves messages of i have to make the right amount of money i have to take care of my family in a certain way i have to not admit i have uh, feelings when i'm concerned you know if i'm gonna try to talk about anxiety my buddies are gonna punch me in the shoulder or something like that Again, I think it's just mostly we need to learn how to dialogue more and know that it's, there's going to be some anxiety, know that there's going to be things that will probably always kind of amp us up a little bit, but also learn to identify things that can dial us back. I give students the example of you need to know what's going to make you feel better in, in five minutes. You need to know what's going to make you feel better in an hour in a day in a week because sometimes you know something big's going on at work I don't I don't have a lot of downtime right but Mm -hmm. what can I do for five minutes to just take a breath and breathing is a great example of that yoga meditation mindfulness activities can be ways that I can just say I don't even have to get out of my chair I don't have to leave my office I don't have to turn my computer off I can just not be engaged in whatever's on my computer take some breathing maybe close my eyes you know that kind of stuff what's going to make me feel better at the end of the day well I've been running pretty hot and and just trying to get so much done you know what I am going to cook a meal for myself or I'm going to have my favorite meal or instead of just rushing home and taking a shower I'm going to fill up that tub and soak for a while what's going to make me feel better in a week well you know maybe I've let my house go to heck and it's time to clean my house and then that's going to feel better I really, really am processing what you have shared with me. While
0: we're processing, we will take a quick break. We are back from our break. Thank the listeners for sticking with us. I hope you're finding this as engaging as I am. Rhonda, I have another question for you then. Sure. I'm wondering about depression. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, are we truly having more young individuals suffering from depression. I know we have all ages suffering from depression, but is there a higher incident rate with our younger individuals? And is that possibly due to the fact that group have been more engaged in static devices or dynamic devices where there's a device as opposed to Mm -hmm. another human
1: being? Mm -hmm. Well, certainly there's been a lot of research about that and that's quite possible. Uh, It's also quite possible that things are evolving and that we humans are just finding value in other things and it's going to kind of even itself out. But yeah, some of the stuff that really helps us stay healthy, we are human beings and we are social animals. So we need a social group. We need people who care about us and can demonstrate that they care about us and we can demonstrate that we care about them. That includes family. It includes friendship groups, and obviously then most of us will partner up and uh, marry or what have you. And then we tend to have, like, interest groups. Like, if we play sports, we have our teams that we play sports with. If we do other crafts or things like that, and then that's, we're sharing uh, activities and interests and so on and so forth. The, the problem with screen time is we can do all that without leaving our house, I mean, we can talk to a quilting group in another country, for example, if we're into quilting. So that can be rewarding in one sense, but then you miss that face-to-face interaction. A lot of the nonverbals can be some of the stuff that is so fun and can be very reassuring and comforting. Like how many times have you, in a relationship that's important to you, Did you notice something in their tone of voice and you were reacting immediately to that? Well, in a screen, you kind of might not get that. And I think sometimes with the screen time stuff, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, we were... Uh, all of us were talking a lot and talking all the time. We'd go to school all day we'd be talking in the home, we'd be talking in class we'd get yelled at for talking in class then we'd go do what we did we'd be talking, talking, talking. Well I think that still happens on a screen but there's not necessarily the, the stops in that like if someone while we were talking when I was a teenager, if someone was kind of off base or a little rude pretty common for someone else to say yo dude that was you know pretty effed up or something Mm -hmm. and then that person was able to immediately say oh that's not really what i meant blah 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 on screens a lot of those filters are gone or people don't confront as much or things just get too harsh you know instead of someone saying yo dude that was a little effed up it's a full onslaught and maybe typed in in all caps and You know etc so you know i think those things are definitely happening but depression it's a very very important topic i think it's another one of those important topics we just have to talk about more one thing is when someone says they're depressed it's very common that we look at our own um, experiences and we say okay i've been depressed so i kind of know what you're feeling everyone kind of has their own experience of stuff uh one example of that is uh bipolar depression can be much much more difficult than depression that's not part of a bipolar disorder. It just seems to be a lower low or experienced a lot more sharply if you will. I don't really know a better way to say that. So it can actually feel a little demeaning if I say, "Oh, Megan, I'm a little depressed." And you're like, "Oh yeah, I was depressed last year. I got over it or something like that." You didn't mean to kind of put me down, but that can sure sound like a put-down. Well, that
0: segues perfectly into my next question for you, which is based on the information you started with and your expertise in the field, could you describe... Uh, the above conditions how how are they clinically Mm -hmm. defined Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously not the exact MSD what did you call that it's the the
1: DSM uh, Yeah, DSM okay
0: DSM but kind of an overview so that our listeners if they're wondering oh my gosh am am I experiencing anxiety or am I Mm -hmm. depressed Mm -hmm. that they might get a, a
1: framework Sure. Well, let's start with depression since we we're talking about that, and then I'll work backwards to uh, anxiety. Uh, depression is a mood episode, so it's a it's a sad, depressed, maybe hopeless feeling. Um, so it's definitely a feeling that you're not at your best. You're not feeling your best. Now, everything in the DSM does require a duration. So if you're sad for a few hours, you would not meet the duration requirements. But maybe you did feel bad for a few hours, and then who knows? Something different happened, or you just did something different, and and now you're feeling better. But it's a period of time of at least a couple of weeks. You're not feeling fully yourself. You might have some sleep problems. You might actually sleep too much. You might not sleep enough. You might lose your appetite, or you might be overeating. It's really kind of weird how some of these things are exact opposites, but they both meet the criteria. Sometimes people are feeling very hopeless and guilty. Sometimes people are feeling like they may want to hurt themselves. Sometimes people are actually uh, making some plans to hurt themselves. So that's basically depression in a nutshell. There's a lot of great treatments. We're going to get to those later, so I'll just Mm -hmm. kind of move on and talk about anxiety. Mm -hmm. There's a number of different anxiety disorders, and again, they all have diagnostic criteria, including a duration of time. Generalized anxiety disorder is where someone is just worrying about a lot of different things and can't really control their worry. So the minute they're not worrying about the car, then they start worrying about the cat. The minute they stop worrying about the cat... They're worried about dinner tonight, and, you know, is my partner being faithful? I mean, they just can't stop their mind from, it's just one constant negative thing or negative concern, if you will, uh, after another. Uh, so, again, that, and that has to be for a period of time. There's a panic disorder where someone might actually have a panic attack. It can feel very unexpected where someone is suddenly maybe having difficulty breathing, maybe feeling their chest is tight, feeling like their heart is racing. They might suddenly feel like they're sweating. Um, Lots of times people immediately think everybody in the world is seeing this. What's interesting about that is 99% of the time, unless you know what you're looking for, you wouldn't notice it. Um, It's really more of an inner experience. Panic attacks all by themselves, left completely untreated and managed poorly, will go away by themselves within about 15 minutes. Certainly once you know that you're having panic attacks, you know some better ways to manage them, uh, you can can speed that up and you can just kind of basically say some of the obvious stuff, oh, dang it, I'm having a panic attack okay, I need to breathe a little more slowly, I need to stop thinking so much about this, I need to stop focusing on the negative stuff, yes, my heart is racing, but you know what, our hearts can beat really fast and not be a problem, maybe I'm sweating, but guess what, it's August or September in Kansas City, of course you're sweating, we'd worry about you if you weren't, you know, that kind of stuff, um, the, one of the problems with all anxiety disorders and depression is they're heavily influenced by our thinking patterns. A lot of okay. us are sort of taught, we call it a negative attributional style, where we're sort of taught to think negatively about something. Have you ever said to someone, oh, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? And they immediately said, oh yeah, but the rain's coming Wednesday or something like that. Oh. That's kind of an example of rather than just say yes it's a beautiful day I'm looking for where's the negative or how soon is the negative happening Uh, that kind of thing so you know again no matter how that happened was somebody very well-intentioned and just trying to keep us cautious about all the dangers of the world did they have a negative attributional style and they just thought that's how you're supposed to think about things but again if you're feeling sad and depressed and you start saying more negative things to yourself It's not going to help you feel better, you know. Uh, You're anxious, and you start feeling more anxious about stuff, and you start adding worries to it. That's not going to help. So you have to learn how to stop your thoughts. You have to learn how to think about something else. We all know how to do this, because those of us that have been potty trained, and hopefully you have been if you're past (laughs) about two years old, there will be a time when we have to go to the bathroom and that's not available right this second, right? Right. So it's not like you can immediately act on that, get up from wherever you are and go do that. So what do you do to make that better? Yeah, don't think about it. Because the more true. you think about it, mm-hmm. the worse it is, right? That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, everyone knows how to do it. You've had to learn how to do it. You just have to learn how to do it with, the, uh, with these other things. Well, thank you for that.
0: Uh, well, do you feel that there are any... Additional or, or other contributing factors to these situations or conditions that we haven't really voiced at the moment? Anything else playing into it?
1: Well, I, I think it's natural that, I mean, we are all like human beings with our systems, our circulatory system, our reproductive system, blah, 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 digestive system, within a system, probably a family system maybe that's our family of origin parents siblings and whatnot maybe it's our family of choice or whoever we have partnered up with and whether we have children or not and then that's within a system a friendship system and a a community system where we live wherever Mm -hmm. that is overland Mm -hmm. park what have Mm -hmm. you within a state within a country etc well i mean how in the world can we look at all the things going on right now without being affected by so many things around us we've got a lot of negativity that's happened yes. on a global level a lot of things that have happened on a national level a lot of that stuff can feel super frustrating because it just feels like there's nothing we can do
0: yes and the media the media is the media and it tends to play the negative stories mm-hmm. not so much
1: the positive stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right you know again it, it can just feel like our power to change things can be so minimal that then we forget that we have the power on a small basis to change things. Something not going well globally, you might not have that much power. Something happening in your family system that needs to get different, you have a lot more power there. And if you don't, then maybe you need to exercise a different kind of power and get a new system. Not that everybody needs to break up, but you know, that happens. Sometimes people... Mm-hmm. Have to face something like that where it's just not working for them, and they need to find a system that's going to work better for them. When we all left home as teenagers, which most of us did, some of that was uh, very fraught with contention and you know arguments or what have you. Hopefully, it's not that way still. Hopefully, it's not that way all the time, etc. And and we also have to learn to some degree. You know, again, I mentioned earlier, maybe we figured out something that happened in the past that we hadn't really paid attention to. You can't really fix stuff in the past. A lot of people can get stuck on that, and that can lead to more anxiety or more depression. Did something happen when you were 10 years old that shouldn't have happened and somebody really should, you know, stand up and apologize? Yeah, maybe, but that may not happen. Lots of people don't apologize. Lots of people don't admit they were wrong lots of people don't admit that something that happened was as bad as it was so you can't fix the past you just have to fix you around that if that makes sense
0: it does fix you around the issue but fix yourself around the issue Mm -hmm. are you seeing evidence in the communities here of more young people struggling or is it still about the same
1: Uh, i think I think the percentage is probably the same. I think the numbers have gone up because I think our population is growing. So if something is still affecting 10% of people, but now 10% of people is twice as much as it was five years ago, then Mm -hmm. of course we're going to see a higher number. I think one of the things that's getting different, and that's good a good thing, is people are more willing to say that they're struggling. They're more willing to admit that they know other people are struggling. And they're more willing to share that there's things to be done. So you're
0: saying that because it's becoming more visible, Mm -hmm. if you will, definitely more audible. Right. People are talking about it. Uh, There's a lot of artists singing about it. Mm -hmm. And because I also DJ the K-pop, one of the K-pop shows here at the radio station, we dive into the lyrics a lot Mm -hmm. and a lot of those lyrics have dealt with loneliness, depression sadness Mm -hmm. and when I look back at the music that I was brought up with I didn't see that as much I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it wasn't there Oh, there was a lot more music about um, things that were illegal substances (laughs) those were quite prolific in the lyrics Mm -hmm. but I didn't read or hear a lot of words about depression breakups yeah lots and lots of breakup songs historically but I hear you saying that more and more people are talking Mm -hmm. about it now here's the big question are more and more people getting help
1: with it well I hope so I I really hope that that's true you know lots of things can help people to feel better one thing that happens a lot with people I know that sometimes when I've not had things going very well in my life Getting a new book of some sort. Maybe it's a self help book. Uh, there had been times in my life where I just needed to read something light. I needed an Ernest Hemingway where it was not big, deep stuff. It was just, it was what it was. Because I'd been, you know, kind of into stuff that was too deep and I needed that lightness. So people can be helped by, you know, reading a book, uh, especially if it's a book kind of focused on that specific situation. There's tons of those out there. Um, i think a lot of the bookstores might be going away uh... because it used to be great to just go walk through the self-help section and pick up a book mm-hmm. and thumb through it for a while to kind of help with that uh... lots of people will do stuff with the bible you know reading mm-hmm. the bible maybe some people have gotten away from their spiritual practices whether it's the bible the quran or whatever their faith is so getting back to some of those practices can help with depression and anxiety both They both respond really, really well to physical activity. So, you know, I think as we get older and we get a little more sedentary, just getting up and walking more, just going on that bike ride, going to the gym, taking a swim, whatever it is, to get a little more active. I actually had a client who um, shared with me that when he would start feeling anxious and a panic attack coming on, he would do sit-ups or push-ups, and it worked very, very well for him. So some of those things can actually be super, super helpful. Uh, And again, with anxiety, it can help burn off that... You know, you're worrying all the time. It can help kind of burn that off, so to speak. With depression, it can sort of like get your blood flow going a little bit more, kind of help pop you up out of it. There's obviously a ton of medications. Many of your primary care physicians will prescribe uh, medications for anxiety and depression to get you started. If it's something that you'll need to see a psychiatrist for or a nurse practitioner who deals with psychiatric situations, they're readily available as well. Because, again, those medications, they're great, but they're so powerful. You need to be doing them right. Um, You don't want to be taking them incorrectly or having a physician manage those that's not really in tune to what the side effects could be and really watching for that.
0: Do you feel as a professional here in the community that you're seeing greater attention to these issues or like to doctors paying attention to okay we need to really monitor this medication rather than pushing it out Mm -hmm. oh no we really need to have you go to the next level rather than just seeing a therapist like therapist saying i think you might need to go see an md or a nurse Mm -hmm. practitioner as a professional are you seeing that or is it about what it's been
1: well i think it it is getting better because we've seen the wave first of all physicians got a bunch of people hooked on opiates and now they're dialing that back thank goodness physicians also got and it was primary care physicians as well as psychiatrists used to use benzodiazepines a lot with anxiety and that's Mm -hmm. a very addictive substance the unfortunate thing with benzodiazepines was that they worked so well people never wanted to do anything else they only Mm -hmm. wanted the pill and everything in life everything we'll go back to the broken leg example everything in life needs more than just one treatment so with the broken leg yeah maybe you needed to get it in a cast maybe you needed to be non-weight bearing for a while and use crutches and and etc but you also need to do the physical therapy you need to get back into walking and maybe running or biking or swimming again uh, that kind of stuff so it's the same thing with mental health stuff Do you need a medication for your anxiety or depression? You know, maybe. But do you also still need to learn how to stop telling yourself negative stuff? Yeah, you do, you know, because you're the only one that can stop that. If you have a whole uh, bunch of people in your support network that are all super negative, you know, maybe you do need to change that. Maybe you need, maybe if you just ask them, yo, guys, this is feeling pretty negative, maybe that'll help, if not, there's other fish in the sea there's other support networks out there so you always need to do uh more stuff but yes i think doctors are getting a little bit better there are still some primary care physicians who are probably prescribing stuff that they really need to let a psychiatrist take over but uh i'd rather people start getting help and and get themselves sort of on the right track rather than have uh too much cut back by um the primary care physicians if that makes sense hmm
0: You mentioned families, friends, different, you know, changing your social group or your your interest group. What can families, friends, employers employers do to help support someone who might be experiencing some anxiety or an imbalance
1: in the present tense? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, you know, don't make someone wrong and don't assume that you know what they're going through. Even if you have the exact same diagnosis, experienced in the exact same way, and you're able to figure that out, that other person's experience is going to be different because we're all unique. Um, So that's first of all. Second of all, family and friends, we can be more kind to each other. You know, like we wouldn't want to say, oh, well, yeah, Megan's not coming to dinner again because she's depressed, you know, because that's a pretty negative message because we could give a different message of, oh, gee, Megan, I'm sorry that you can't join us. Are you sure you wouldn't be able to get here in time for dessert? that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Just to really try to encourage that, to put those messages more positively. And we've all had that situation in families where someone maybe thought they were doing the right thing or saying the right thing, but it just didn't really come out that way. So, so we can certainly look at our language, look at how we support people. There's already quite a bit of stuff in place for employers. Lots of places have EAPs or access to an EAP. Sometimes if it's a small employer, they're like, well, we're supposed to have this EAP through our insurance, but I don't know of anyone who ever used it. Let's find out. Let's figure it out. The Employee Assistance Program. Exactly, yes. You know, maybe being as flexible as possible. I think of all the negative things that came out of the pandemic, I think we all learned that maybe we can work from home a little bit more. But, you know, working from home might be exactly the wrong thing. I was just
0: going to ask you that. Do you think it's harming us
1: rather than helping us. Right, because now we don't have to get dressed. Now we don't have to take a shower. Uh, Yeah, we don't have to commute into work, so that's definitely a positive.
0: But what about the loss of social engagement when you're not going into the office?
1: See, exactly. So the person needs to be able to kind of problem-solve and dialogue what is good, what's not good, what will really help, what won't help. And again, that takes a level of self-awareness letting yourself identify what really does make me feel better what doesn't make me feel better Uh, and some of that is small things like if you ever had something maybe you haven't had hot chocolate in a while and for some reason you're drinking hot chocolate and you're like oh i like that (laughs) that reminds me of blah 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 that was Mm -hmm. positive whatever it is so giving yourself that pause to notice those things and then when i say to you megan You need to know what's going to make you feel better in five minutes. I'll go get some hot chocolate. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So all those little things. We were sitting outside where I live. We have some woods behind us. And the noises at night are just great. Right now it's locusts, which are kind of irritating. (laughs) Uh, But we're sitting outside. It was dusky. It was almost dark. And we have some owls that are nearby we can hear the owls talking to each other I did not know this until it happened a couple years ago but a baby fox sounds like a little scream so we've heard oh. foxes you know, calling to their mom and just noticing how much I like that so again it was like what am I going to do to make myself feel better by the end of the day I'm going to go sit outside tonight around dusk and listen to all those lovely noises so, so whatever those things are for people well you probably have a favorite food that comforts you hopefully stay away from alcohol and drugs and things like that yes those will relax you and maybe they do comfort you to some degree but they have such a high price and can have such a high price so noticing all those small things that really make you feel better does it make you feel better that you call your great aunt who you haven't talked to in a while well there you go that might make you feel better today i'm gonna call my great aunt that kind of stuff
0: so, kind of coming up with your own repertoire for self care mm-hmm. besides the top five, which is eat right, sleep right, exercise right, mm-hmm. be productive mm-hmm. and I think I forget the last oh breathe, breathe, yes. Yes. But having those go-to spots, but it sounds like it would be advantageous for every individual to know exactly what you were saying, a five-minute, how can I make myself feel better in five minutes, in you know, two hours, in the end of the right. day, for the week. And is there a, a, a training of some sort that employers
1: can sign on for or find out about it? Is it called or titled anything? Well, there's a lot of people doing mindfulness trainings, mindfulness. And, and they will do that at a workplace so that can be scheduled there's a lot of professionals out there who do that there are certainly yoga and meditation uh... things that can be done they might even be able to be done in a workplace uh... even if it's a workplace where people are wearing suits and ties and whatnot. they can maybe loosen the tie take off their shoes for an hour and uh, do some of these practices the employer can maybe even support those you know maybe there's an office that's not being used that um, you can put couple yoga mats in or something like that so that people can use that as a chill space that kind of thing schools have been doing this for a while it's kind of like it's not an isolation room what's the word that i'm trying to use they've got them in uh, well we call them sensory rooms there you go that's that's right and so kids that are have gotten overstimulated can go to that room Um, so that they're not being inundated with all that. And again, being inundated with stuff, that's another good example. You know, a lot of us will have the TV on, our computer's actually on, we've got our phone in our hand, and we're interacting with our friends. I just put air quotes in there because how much interacting are you doing with your friends when you got all this other stuff? Learning how to dial that back as well. You know, just turn the TV off. What if you did a whole night? and didn't have the TV on. Because in this day and age where you can record everything and everything is going to be streamed in a very short period of time anyway, you really don't miss anything. It's not like back in our day, where you'd have to wait all the way until the end of the season when they were going through reruns. reruns.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the reruns, (laughs) yes. I, I was wondering also, in our community, with the resources that are available, I mean, what you were sharing about mindfulness and training, that makes sense, but what about a little bit more, like if I needed a therapist, are there no-cost or low-cost options, or do I ha- are there programs where I don't have to turn over my insurance because that's not necessarily a covered service mm-hmm. under my plan? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, if you do have insurance, your insurance provider might just have a small group that they reimburse for therapy services. Okay. So you might have to see if you can fit with someone in that group. Um, So that's fortunate, unfortunate. You know, the insurance company does what fits for them. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of other providers. You can find them advertised in a lot of ways. I know that when I was first starting my private practice and I wanted to increase the lesbians, gays, bisexual, folks, Folks who could come see me? I would advertise specifically in places that I knew they would see it. So, some of those magazines that would be out in the bars and at the community center. Churches, same thing. A lot of times, therapeutic services will have their cards up or a flyer available at a church. There's a lot of indexes where you can just look them up online now. You can filter that by, oh, I want to see a male therapist, or oh, I want to see someone older than me, or I'd rather see someone younger than me. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you know a certain approach is going to work better for you, you can specifically find, like a DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy person. Last and certainly not least, because of the mental health movement, there are mental health centers everywhere. And those can be no cost, low cost. They can be based on your income. If your income is next to nothing, you will pay next to nothing. Now, it's probably not free. Here's what we figured out, Megan. It's kind of a weird little caveat here. If people get something free, they may not value it as much. So with therapeutic services, we noticed that if we were saying, oh, well, we'll do your service for free, that person was more likely to not show up, not let us know they weren't showing up, cancel often. Uh, Maybe there was actually some studies done where they would rate that the service they were getting wasn't that great because it was free and then the only change they made was to make them pay and it might have been $3 a session suddenly they're paying $3 a session they valued it more they got more out of it that kind of thing so you probably won't get a no cost option or it might be someone might do two sessions for the price of one or something mm-hmm. so you're sort of getting a half off coupon if you will there's a lot of that stuff so in the county where you live there should be like there's a wyandotte county mental health center johnson mm-hmm. county mental health center jackson county etc your physician may also have a mental mental health and wellness kind of approach so they might have someone just right at their office so the same place you go to get all your other medical services uh, you could, you know, start seeing a provider there. If you're going to school, every high school, every elementary school, every college, every um, community college, every university has some sort of a health and wellness center where therapeutic services are available. Oh. So you can, you can access those there. So there's a lot more support than you would guess. Yes, because I really didn't
0: realize the mm-hmm. health and wellness on all the campuses, or especially even the school systems I know, and the school systems that I'm familiar with, we have counselors, we have training we have to take as employees, mm-hmm. but for the students, I never really have really looked at it that directly. Mm-hmm. Like a student could seek out someone. Right.
1: Yeah. Sometimes in the schools, um, that school counselor does a lot of things, so they may only be able to do a session or two and then get someone connected up with someone that they can see on a longer basis.
0: I'm going to ask you a question that is more about your field right now, and that one is, have you seen an increase in students wanting to go into the
1: field of social work? There is an increase. That's great because there's an increased need for social workers. Social workers, first of all, we provide a lot of mental health therapeutic services out there. Of all the therapists across the uh, United States, there's been a consistency about 50 percent of people providing those services are social workers. So you can get a licensed clinical social worker such as myself. We've actually been trained in all of this stuff. There's also licensed psychologists, etc. So there's a lot of people that go into this field and provide that help. But in addition to that, we social workers also help people get things taken care of, like getting signed up for things like disability, getting an application uh, done for housing, that kind of stuff. Because sometimes one of the reasons you're feeling bad is, yeah, you should be feeling bad. You don't have a place to live. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you need uh, vocational help to get back into a career or something like that. So, um, social workers help with all of that. There's more and more social workers involved with the military. Um, oh. there's more and more social workers getting involved with criminal justice the police department here in Kansas City was doing a a trial of trying to put a social worker in every police department in every police station. So when you were victimized or when you were the alleged perpetrator, you could immediately begin working with a social worker. Plus, that can help the police officers who go through a bunch on their shifts, who are like, wow, I went out on this call and this dude was acting this way and I didn't know what to do. And the social worker could say, well, it sounds a little like schizophrenia it, and it, and then explain what that is and and help the police because you know we've had some high profile situations where people were very disordered and mm-hmm. they were in the middle of something that was very difficult for them and their behavior then they weren't responding properly to the police so i'm not trying to make anybody right i'm not trying to yeah. make anybody wrong horrible things have happened i'm really sorry that they did And, you know, sometimes people are in that space, and they're just not very sane.
0: Right. And they're not able to remove themselves from that emotional state to the logical state to be able to follow commands or to be able to breathe and calm down. And then the police are doing what they're trained to do as well as they
1: see it as a threat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And again, sometimes what would help someone calm down is not to be yelled at Um, and, The police, again, that's a threat to them. So now there's more of them yelling or more of them yelling harder. Mm -hmm. And that maybe makes the situation worse. Again, I'm not trying to make anybody wrong. It's just they have to respond to what the worst threat could possibly be.
0: Yes, understood. Well, Rhonda, this has been so informative. Great. I truly thank you for coming into the station today and talking with us about this very important topic of mental health and well-being and making sure that you know yourself or you can identify issues within yourself that you need to take action on and that it is okay to take action and to say and talk about it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear that mental health is coming more and more to the forefront. I'm still very sad to hear that our 20-somethings are experiencing mm-hmm. it so much more because when I look back at my age at that time, I was having the time of my life in college. I'm not saying that I didn't have moments and issues, mm-hmm. but I my college years were so mm-hmm. fun. I got so many experiences, and I just don't recall having... I do remember being very lonely, leaving from school, being home and then moving six hours away to go to college out of state and i was lonely because i missed my friends and i didn't have any new friends and that was difficult for me but it wasn't to the level of anxiety and depression there was so much new that i was enjoying and experiencing Mm -hmm. i think the you know biggest anxieties at time were the tests, you know the finals because now you had a syllabus and you were told prepare and then you'll get a test as opposed to in your high school you had step-by-step instructors saying okay test on friday go home and study <laughs> mm-hmm. but again mm-hmm. i really really thank you for coming into the studio and giving us your time is there anything you'd like to share as a parting remark in any way
1: well just uh, just again be kind um y- you don't know what someone's going through you don't know what's going to help them per se and are they responsible for trying to figure out what they need and what's going to help them yeah uh, and there's no there's no reason to make it worse and just you know check on each other i think it's I think one thing back in our day that we didn't necessarily do as much as maybe, I, I hope people are starting to do it more, is, hey, how are you doing today? How's that going? That thing that we were going through last week, is that better now? You know, follow through with that. I think some people think, oh, it's just going to make it worse. I'm just going to remind you of something bad. No, I'm going to basically share with you that I care and that I remembered you were going through something and I'm trying to check in.
0: And I do think the Kansas City area is much more in line to do that. I mean, that's who we are. When you call somebody on the telephone, it's not, hey, Rhonda, can you come over? It's, Rhonda, how are you? How's Mm -hmm. it been going? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm wondering, do you think you can come and talk on the radio show today? It's a lot more cordial. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that endears me to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So be kind. Be kind, everybody. That's Rhonda's advice. Well, again, thanks for stopping in. Appreciate it. Thanks
1: for having me. I appreciate Mm -hmm. it.